Welcome to the Dog Show Show podcast, presented by the Staffordshire Bull Terrier Society of New South Wales and featuring Kim Reader. Uh, welcome to a, uh, another episode of the Dog Show Show. You're here with, uh, we've got Kim back this week and we've got Barb and we have got a special guest, uh, our fourth, fourth special guest now. Mm. Yeah. Um, all the way from the good old US of A is Bill Daniels. Hello, Bill. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're good. Where, where are you? Whereabouts are you right now? <coughs> right now, I'm in Belize. Belize? Yes. Wow. I, uh, I moved out of California in uh, 2016. We moved to Texas, and then we moved to Belize right away. Good. And we've been down here since June of 16. Goodness me. Bit of a sea, a sea change. Yeah. Oh, we love it down here. Oh, oh look, I've, I've actually seen it on those travel shows. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know those ones where the people go, like, House Hunters International and Beachfront Bargain oh, Hunting and those. all those? Oh, I love those shows. Please looks amazing. Right. Mm. No, we, we love it. It's a small country. There's very few people, very little traffic, uh, no air pollution. Um, it's just it's a great perfect. place. Sounds perfect. Yes. We might all have to move there. <laughs> and it, it, its cost is reasonable. <laughs> oh. That's good. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a big factor now, isn't it? Well, we're in Sydney, and that's very unreasonable at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm living on 3000 US a month down here and saving money. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. <laughs> so we've got you on because you are you're a Stafford man. You're a Stafford expert. Well, I don't say I'm an expert, but I've been around for a long time. <laughs> how long How long have you been in the dog world for? Um, I came home from the Air Force in 68, yep. went back to college, and I met a guy. My instructor was a guy named Steve Stone. Okay. And one day Steve said, anybody who buys a puppy from me gets an A. So I raised my hand. Oh, wow. And I ended up getting... Uh, uh, Joe ordained the tenacious, which I called Brindle. Yeah, uh, he was a little puppy, and uh, at that time there were only sixty-four Staffords that we knew of. Um, there were pit bulls and everything else you could think of, but no registered Staffordshire Bull Terriers, mm-hmm. or very few. Mm-hmm. So you, so that started it. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, what a way to start it off! That's what, did yeah. you get your A as well? Pardon? Did you get your A? After you got the, you got the dog. And oh hell! I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dropped out of school next year because I was too busy working. Yeah, because the um, dog was costing you too much money. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was funny was that uh, <clears throat> there was this lady named Judy Venable, and her husband Don was a good friend of Steve's. And Judy wanted a baby, so Don gave her a puppy, which was a little mate to my puppy. Ah. So, so um, Brindle is like 12 or 14 weeks old, and we had a rally at the Venables' house. And I'm standing in the backyard with my puppy on my arm, and Judy walks out the back door, and I see her, and I go, damn, too bad she's married. Uh, <laughs> And I can still picture it today. She was wearing a yellow and white striped narrow collar shirt and Levi's. And oh. little did I know what that would lead to. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, she was very beautiful, wasn't she? 
Pardon? She was very beautiful, Judy. Yeah. 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 So what year was that, Bill? That was the, the uh, September, October of 68, somewhere around there. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. And then, you know, we, we tried to promote the breed and clarify it away from pit bulls and Staffordshire Terriers. And, you know, that started a whole struggle for recognition with AKC. Um, the big advantage we had was that Staffords were recognized all over the world, mm. except in the U.S. we had Amstaffs. Yep. Mm. So we had to fight the battle with AKC um, to um, get us recognized. And that's where Lillian Rant and Judy did the major battle. Right. What, what did that involve? What, what does that involve in terms of getting them recognized as being different from an Amstaff or a, a pit bull or something like that? Well, the, you know, they recognized the breed because it was all over the world. The problem yeah. was we only had 64 of them, and AKC couldn't bother with that little number. Yeah. So we set on a, a campaign of about five years of breeding Staffords, getting people involved in it. We were putting on matches, uh, puppy matches and stuff. And um, <clears throat> after a while, we had matches where we'd have 100 Staffords show up. Um, you know, from young puppies to mature dogs. Yeah. And um, so we had a lot of fun. You know, it was a great learning experience. Um, eventually, we got miscellaneous class recognition, uh, along with the Bashan Frisés and the um, Wheaton Terriers. <clears throat> and so now we could compete at AKC shows, but we were in miscellaneous class. Yeah. So we couldn't compete for best in show or anything that. All we could compete for was... Uh, first in our breed or best of breed yep. um, two years later we ended up getting full recognition and uh, now we can compete in the real shows <clears throat> and uh, so that's when the fun started and um, <clears throat> we would get together in caravan to shows um, either in California or Arizona Nevada wherever you know we would take off and go uh, one time we organized a, a group of us and we flew back to Maryland um, to Claude Williams and um, showed there on the East Coast. And Judy uh, took best of breed in our breed with uh, George. Um, what was George's name? <laughs> it's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we had a great time back there. And well, we went around the country promoting the breed. Um, in miscellaneous class, in the two years we were there, I went to 103 shows, uh, mostly in the West Coast. Mm. Um, and then we just started showing every weekend. Once we got miscellaneous or full recognition, um, we started showing every weekend. Two then shows, in, three shows a weekend. Then you imported some stock from Australia and New Zealand and the UK? Yes, Judy did. She uh, got North Fork Becky Sharp, and then uh, Kiwi. Um, Loggerheads Kiwi. Loggerheads Kiwi. Yeah, Loggerhead Nil. Yeah. And then we imported uh, from England um, Blackberry or uh, Ringberry Dangerman, a big overdone Stafford that we needed because we had sort of weedy terrier type Staffords, mm -hmm. so we needed more substance, and that's what Danny Doug brought. 
And uh, so we, we went on from there. Um, Judy and I, between us, had 29 liters of Stafford's. Wow. Uh, she, had tw- she had 28. I had one. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, always a woman that does more work, isn't it? Honestly. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, over the years, we got to know each other real well and we're traveling. And then she divorced Don. Yeah. And um, I'm going, oh, great. Here's my chance. And she turned out to be a bloody bitch. <laughs> I didn't want any part of that. And so four years went by, and I was asked to judge a match. So I call her up and say, hey, let's go to dinner. And you tell me everything I need to know about judging. And we went to dinner. She told me everything I needed to know. And I took her home, dropped her off, and picked up my girlfriend. And then I was thinking, I wonder what she's like on a real date. So I call her back up and say, hey, Friday night, let's go out, but we don't talk dogs. So we went to this little restaurant in Tuaco Lake where a buddy of mine was a stand-up folk singer, comedian at the time. This is in 75. And uh, we had dinner and we got shit-faced on margaritas. <laughs> I took her home at 2 o'clock in the morning, walked her up to the door and said, good night. And um, that started it. Four months later, we were married. Four months? Oh, wow. Yeah, what a we, time to be alive. We knew everything about yeah, we knew everything about each other That's over the true. last seven years. Yeah. And, you know, she knew my girlfriends, I knew Don and all the, you know. Uh, so, and we both had common goals. And um, somewhere along the way, she was working for a company and they were selling goal-setting programs. So she talked me into buying one. And so it gave us a common base of setting goals that yes. we wanted to accomplish in our life. And I, they were very parallel. Mm. And it just made it easy for us to um, get married and go on with our life. Wow, that's amazing. So seven years you were together in going through dog shows and not yeah, and not together, and then all of a sudden it all just went, went bang, right. bang, bang, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I just want to acknowledge so, that Bill was a player. I mean, he's already got a girlfriend, and he's taking Judy out on dates. Like... Yeah. Would you call yourself a player, Bill? He's the, the Lothario <laughs> no, of the dog world. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> no. I know you. <laughs> I was 33 or 34 years old at this point, and I had no intention of ever getting married. I was dating mm-hmm. a number of different girls, and yeah. none of them really serious, but we would go out every other week or so on and so forth. Yeah. And then Judy came along and screwed everything up. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It was meant to be. No more dating yeah. girls after that. No. Mm. And uh, we were together, you know, 46 years until she passed away. Mm. Goodness me. And, and, for, and you married her after four months. So you knew straight away. Yeah, we, well, yeah, we knew each other so long. And um, I refused uh, to kiss her goodnight for the first month <laughs> that we were dating. And it was a game I was playing. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe you are playing then. <laughs> yeah. So when we did kiss goodnight, it was all over. You know. Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's p- but we had a great time. We had a wonderful life. Uh, Judy went to 24 countries because of Stafford's and showing, and I went to 22. Um, her and Lillian went to England in 82 or so, or 72, and I wasn't on that trip at the time. And then she went to South Africa and judged down there. And then after that, we went everywhere together. Wow. So, How many times did you come to Australia? Four, wasn't it? Yeah, we've been there four times. Uh, the last time we came, to, uh, 
the third time we were there, I dropped her off at the airport when we arrived at Sydney, and I took off and went up and went scuba diving on the reef mm-hmm. uh, for three or four days while she did her doggy thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she judged the Stafford show, the Stafford she bought Terry. Uh-huh. Yeah. The she thing. judged our show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you but, what, there's uh, not a lot of women that would let you go and swim on the reef while you, she's working. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you get work, honey, I'll go swim. <laughs> Judy and I had a very unique relationship, and, you know, she was 99.9% Staffords and dogs and stuff, and I was 80%, 90%. Um, I was interested in sports car racing and skiing Mm -hmm. and scuba diving and, you know, other life adventures. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it worked out. We let each other have our space. We were, what was great about us, we were two individuals Mm -hmm. with our own concept of what we want to do in that but we we got together and we had a plan and we melted together you know and it worked it just worked great mm. it's a perfect relationship that's how it should be yeah yeah hmm. yeah so can you tell us a bit about um when judy became the um, american kennel club president which was no mean feat either well now this happened over a number of years in 1980 um we were members of the Kennel Club of Pasadena, somewhere around 1980, and she um, became their delegate to AKC. And the delegate body is part of the government of AKCs. They meet four times a year in New York. So Judy started going to AKC meetings, um, and she was working on her judging. She had Staffords, and then she got Amstaffs and a couple other breeds. And it's very hard to get going at AKC to be a judge. Uh, it took her 10 years to get the Terrier group. Wow. Um, but um, she got involved in different committees and stuff at AKC. And uh, eventually, excuse me, she got uh, elected to the board of directors. Um, she was on the board for a number of years. And um, they were having, the board was divided into two groups. Uh, there was the East Coast Social Elite. You had to come from Harvard, Columbia, Yale, or one of those places, mm-hmm. and you had to have a certain financial status, and the rest of us were peasants. <laughs> and <laughs> so they were having uh, an election. Um, the president was r- running out of his term, and he was a, uh, a paid um, officer of the club. He was not a delegate as mm. such. Uh, he was a professional uh, president um, so Maxwell was leaving they had to find a replacement they were trying to uh, promote Terry Stacy to be president and six of the board members did not want Terry and six of the board members wanted Terry so they, the first vote Terry lost so Asa Mage Asa Mays and Judy started talking and Asa said Judy, if you want it, I'll support you. Mm. So the next vote came down, and Judy ended up being elected president. And uh, so she served um, eight, maybe nine months as assistant vice president. And then in uh, February or March meeting, she became president of AKC. And the East Coast social elite were just having themselves they they tried to get maxwell to stay on 
until after the meeting and then resigned so they didn't have to promote her and uh so there was a lot of mm. background going on sounds messy uh, a lot of politics yeah. Mm. yeah now judy ended up signing a contract an employment contract um they were paying bob maxwell close to two hundred thousand dollars a year in 1975 and because judy was a woman from an east from a west coast school and she only had a master's degree, not a PhD, and all this crap. They would only pay her 150000 a year. Oh, my gosh. Um, something about discrimination there, but I don't understand it. Um, so she took the job. She was back there. And she took them from $33 million to $46 million in gross sales in less than 18 months with a 20% profit margin, her uh, I couldn't call it a profit because it's a non-profit company. Mm. Um, but she had a 20% excess. Mm-hmm. And the next year, they had to vote on the president every year. And the next year, they voted her out. And But they had to pay her for, th- for three more years. And we said, look, you know, don't bother. We're, we're happy. You know, just let Judy go back to her judging. And he said, oh, no, 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 you've got to be a... Uh, uh, we're going to pay you for the next three years. And then they passed the Judy rule, which was if you remember the staff and you retire, you can't judge for a year. So they effectively kept her out of judging for almost five years. So uh, we just went on with our life. Um, and, you know, we had a great time. Mm. So she had an actual rule named after her. <laughs> The Judy, the Judy rule. The Judy rule. Yeah, the Judy rule. Yeah. What, what, was, what was fun for us when she was president, um, every other weekend I would fly back to New York and spend the weekend there, and I would come in on the 6 a.m. flight. I'd be walking up 3rd Avenue. She'd be walking down 3rd. I'd give her a hug, kiss her. I'll see you at 51. And I'd go up to our apartment, and I'd crash. And then at noon, I'd go down to 51 Madison Avenue and meet her. And we'd go out to dinner or lunch or whatever and, you know, maybe go to some dog shows around the New York area. And, you know, we had a great time. And mm. what was great, we have been married 18 years, and we are running out of things to talk about because we lived together, we worked together, and all of a sudden – She's across the country, and we got new things to talk about. Yeah. So mm. it revived a stale marriage. Right. And um, so when she came home from AKC, she decided she did not want to come back to Daniels. And we got involved in a network marketing company where she was selling nutritional supplements. And she built up quite a business. She was making between five and $6,000 a month. And Judy was a mathematician, so Judy does not suffer fools well it's either black or white yes or no next you know Mm. and after two years of doing that she said to hell with this i'm quitting so she came back to work at the shop and we drew a line the front office was her area the back of the shop was my area and you know you had to ask permission to go up in front or come back yeah (laughs) almost that bad (laughs) maybe explain what the shop is bill what the shop was we were an engraving company Um, We were making embossing and foil stamping dyes for the printing industry. We were building injection molds, die cast molds. Um, We were doing uh, mold making. We were building injection molds, uh, doing EDM work, 
Um, we did work on the B-2 bomber, bomb rack. Um, wow. we, we were able to fabricate a, a part, a portion of the part that nobody else could figure out how to fabricate. And we were able to figure it out, and we ended up making a couple hundred of those things. Wow. Um, so that was fun. And, you know, we just had a good, we, we just enjoyed life. Yeah, it uh, sounds like it. We moved out to the boondocks, uh, out to Acton, and it was a 35-mile drive in the morning every morning. So we would go to McDonald's, get our breakfast and our coffee, and we'd fight traffic into the shop and then uh, do our work. And at lunchtime, we'd go out to lunch, and then we'd come back, and it was too much traffic to drive home, so we'd stay late. By that time, when we got home, Judy did not want to cook dinner, so we would go to Don Cuco's, we'd go to the 49er Saloon, we'd have some margaritas, we'd have dinner. Oh, and, wow. You know. What a lot. That, that was our life. <laughs> whining and dining. Pardon? You were whining and dining every day, lunch and dinner out. Well, that was the American way, well, wasn't it? Not many people cooked in those days. They were really? always out eating. <laughs> wow. Well, what we did, we had a... Uh, we went through. We first started with a Ford station wagon, then a Ford Econoline van, then we bought a motorhome. And um, so, what we would do Friday night, we'd load up the motorhome. Saturday or Friday night, Friday morning, we'd load up the motorhome. We'd go into the shop. We had the dogs in the motorhome, and Friday afternoon, we'd take off to wherever the show was, and we'd spend the weekend at the dog show. Um, it could have been in Oregon or Washington or Nevada or Arizona, wherever. And we would uh, come back to the shop late Sunday night. So Monday morning, we're, we're at the shop. And then we go home that night and, you know, Monday night and start reorganizing for the next weekend. And wow. uh, we put over 150,000 miles on the motorhome. Wow. That's, um, we, we actually, we had a, an episode a, a couple episodes ago where we talked about transporting dogs and how we do it here and we were commenting that it sort of is a bit of a an american thing to load up the motorhome and load up the winnebago or whatever you're driving and right. go out and go to dog shows but it sounds kind of ideal yeah <laughs> well, we would well like, we were members of the kennel Pl- kennel club of pasadena mm-hmm. and I was at one point in charge of motorhome parking, and we would have between 120 and 130 motorhomes, trailers, um, you know, vans and stuff mm. that we would have to park for the people so they could yeah. show their dogs. So, oh, so you're an expert reverse parker. You're an expert expert yeah. at reverse parking. <laughs> yeah, and they had to pay me ten dollars a night, or they paid the club ten dollars a night. And, um, you know, two nights, that's $20 times a um, hundred and some motorhomes. That's a good chunk of change. Wow. And we, we made a deal with the city of Pasadena. We paid them a nominal fee. And so we were making money at the time. Yeah. So do you want to tell but, us uh, about how the staff status started? You were talk- we were talking about that the other day and how you and Judy yeah. got that going for the... Um, the first Stafford Club over there? Yeah, we <clears throat> somehow we, we started making a newsletter and we, we called it Staff Status and it started out printed on, or just typed on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper mm. um, 
then we realized that uh, with my graphics equipment at the shop, we could take photographs and make printing plates. And we had a friend who had a little uh, offset printing press, uh, a little 1050 multi or 1250 multi printing press, one color printer. And we um, ended up buying that for seven or 800 bucks, put it in our garage. So now we could print the staff status at our house and we'd have collating parties. We, we'd print up maybe 200 copies. So there's 200 times 75 or 80 sheets of paper. And um, we'd have collating parties where everybody would walk around the table picking up a stack of sheets. And, and we bought a stapling machine so we could staple them together. And then we'd stuff them in envelopes and mail them off. And, you know, we did this every three months. And uh, somewhere... There are a collection of all the staff statuses that we did, all the years that we did. We took 25 issues and set those aside, and those are out there in somebody's yard or in their backyard or garage or storage shed or somewhere. There's the history of that period of time um, documented in 25 staff statuses. 25 stacks of staff statuses. So that was at Pasadena when you lived there, wasn't it? Pardon? That's when you lived at Pasadena? Uh, we were members of Pasadena. We never lived in Pasadena. Judy lived there. That's when we met her. But um, when we got married, we she was living in a house in Glendale, and I moved in with her because I was uh, living at home with my parents. My mother was an invalid, and I would help my dad take care of my mom. And then we had a lady, Carol Carrie, who would come in in the morning and stay there all day and take care of her. And then at night, Dad and I'd come home and, you know, take care of her in the night. And um, so, you know, everybody thought I was weird because I was 30-something years old and still living at home with my parents. Um, they didn't know the backstory, you know, about my mom. No. Mm-hmm. no. And also you, you, also you were a Lothario as well, Casanova. So <laughs> they might have thought it was strange you were living at home with Mom, but, you know. Don was living it up, <laughs> let's be honest. I, I'm listening to your story then, and I'm hearing that, like, I'm a fan of American punk rock, and it sounds like really similar to the stories that those guys tell about making flyers and pinning them up on poles and getting people interested in their bands and, and creating newsletters and fanzines and sending them out all over the country. Like, is, was, that, that, was that kind of how you felt? Was that what it was? We we were driven to get the breed recognized. Yeah. And we needed a source. We needed something we could give people that talked about the breed, showed pictures of the breed, you know, uh, showed bloodlines and all this kind of stuff that, yeah. you know, it was a sales tool to promote Staffordshire yeah, yeah. Bull Terriers. And um, we'd print more copies than we needed. Mm. Uh, all the members got a copy, and then we had extras that we would mail out. We'd get an inquiry about a puppy or something, mm. and we would send them a staff status. Um, you know, just trying to build the image that it wasn't this terrible uh, child-killing monster, mm-hmm. you know, that mm. they were sweet, lovable, um, you know, little monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember it well coming to a couple of those and Judy's, up to this day, I remember Judy's cold cuts. Um, so it was, uh-huh. it was um, a, a real fun time 
Mm. And a lot yeah. of meeting a lot of people. That was the thing. It was a much a community more than anything, a community of Stafford people that were all driven to have this breed recognised right. in a positive way. Yeah, before we got recognition, we would put on a match and we put one on on Saturday and then we'd put one on Sunday. And what we did, we brought people in from England. Uh, Ron Servat, uh, who were some of the other old-time breeders. We, we needed to build a history about the breed. And so we took people out of England, brought them to America, and paid for their trip and put them up and all this. And Nap Cairns and... Um, Yvonne Reader, you had? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of... There are two English gentlemen who were kind of opposed to each other, okay? Oh, and Nap, we brought Nap them over. They were, one was judging one day and one was judging the, ex, the other day. And we put them up in our house, and we went to work. They came in on Thursday or Friday or something. Uh oh. We 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 put them to you know we put them up in our house, and then Judy and I went to work, and we found these two guys in a pub up in Montrose having a great old time. Oh, lucky! <laughs> you know? I thought you were going to say they they got stuck into each other while you were gone. <laughs> Nap Cairns and Ron Servat, I believe, who they were. Yeah. And. Um, but don't we, you find that happens when people are off their own turf and they they meet yeah. up and then they find a common ground, which is our breed? Mm. Right. So we, you know, we learned a lot by bringing judges over and being able to sit down in our living room and get stories from them that they wouldn't talk about, you know, in a big group or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we got the, the, the real lowdown on a lot of stuff like... Um, Knapp had a dog, he was telling us that after the war, they started judging, but there was a lot of dogs who were older, and Knapp was like third in line, and the, the judge asked the first guy in line, how old is your dog, and he said, oh, he's eight years old, and the second guy in line says, well, my dog's seven years old, and comes to Knapp, and how old is your dog? He said, well, according to the first two, he wasn't born yet. <laughs> so, you know, they, these were just great, great stories that we have. Mm. Yeah, we've. It, it's a bit of a recurring theme on the show that we've had John Ryder on. We had Dean Burwell who spoke glowingly of your wife last when we spoke to him. But just the importance of, and this is what we do, why we do what we do here, the importance of recording these stories. And, mm -hmm. and and having these, you know, having these anecdotes on record before it's too late to not have them on record. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is starting to flood me with a bunch of memories. Um, I was going to, we were going to go to Phoenix for dog shows there, and I went down a day early um, to call on some clients down there. We weren't married yet. We were all caravanning. And Judy and Sam Haynes came down later in the evening. And um, when I checked into my hotel and I walked out, the, looking across the patio in the swimming pool, there was a pregnant gal at the other end. And she looked at me and we made eye contact. And then I turned and went to my room. And I opened my door and I'm in there putting my stuff on my bed. And she shows up in the doorway and wanting to know if I wanted to have a little fun. Oh. And I go, no, no, not right now. <laughs> you know, 
So Judy arrives and Sam arrives and I told Judy about this gal. And all of a sudden my phone rings. And Judy picks up the phone and goes, yes. And this, uh, is Bill there? She says, I'm sorry, dear. You've been preempted. And she hangs up on her. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> These are just some of the little things that pop up. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I told you. Was, I told you. told you. <laughs> Bill, Bill's a player. I don't know, Bill. I think you must have been pretty good looking in your day by the sound of it. <laughs> no, I was short, fat, and bald. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> of course, if you looked at my height weight chart, I was six foot four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But, uh, oh, okay, can I ask you another question here, Bill? <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's he doing later? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, sorry. Judy was the extrovert. She was the one out there, and everybody knew Judy. You know, she'd walk into a room and knew everybody instantly. You know, and I would just kind of lay back and take notes on what was going on, who was mm-hmm. saying what, this and that, and then I'd report back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, now, we talked yeah. the other day about, um, and when Dean had, came on, we talked about why your standard's the only standard that's got disqualification for black and tan. And right. um, you enlightened me on that the other day, so I was wondering if you wanted to tell us about it. Sure. When Lillian and Judy went to AKC, um, <clears throat> understand that we had the American Staffordshire, well, it was called the Staffordshire Terrier at the time, and then they had pit bulls, mm-hmm. which was parallel breed. They intermingled and all that stuff. And so we're trying to get AKC to accept us because we're accepted worldwide. And um, Judy and Lillian were back at AKC. And I'm trying to remember, what was the question? <laughs> okay. I well, get wrapped up so much stuff going on here. <laughs> okay, uh, so so why, why did... The American Kennel Club decided that your standard was to say oh. disqualified or not for black and tan yeah. and liver. Right. Um, when Judy and Lillian were back there and talking about the standard with the board at AKC, um, AKC said you either have to accept black and tans as an equal or you have to disqualify them. And okay. we were of the opinion that black and tan was too dominant, and eventually we'd have a bunch of Rottweilers or Dobermans. Yeah. And so we chose to eliminate black and tans uh, from showing. Yeah. And, in fact, I've got a 10-year-old black and tan bitch. Uh, there she is, laying on the floor here in my office. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean they're bad dogs. It's just that they weren't acceptable for showing. Right. Mm. And... Um, and Gracie is just a, a fantastic little Stafford. She's, you know, really great looking, but she's a black and tan. Yeah. So, you know, what can I say? So if, <laughs> if you take her to the show, she's just disqualified. instantly out. You're yeah. not, even, not yeah. even getting in the ring. Well, yeah, you can we walk in, but don't disqualify her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we couldn't even take her on the showgrounds. Oh, really? really? She wasn't eligible to show. Wow. Only dogs on the showgrounds were dogs eligible to show yeah. now out in the parking lot you had hundreds of motorhomes with all kinds of dogs in them you know but not on the showground physical around the rinks okay. right okay so you wouldn't like pack up all the other dogs and just leave her at home and say oh sorry sweetheart you no. can't come no, she'd they, still get to go on the trip we, but 
Yeah. In the back of our motorhome, uh, we had one bed back there. I had two beds in the back, one on each side. And yep. The one side, the driver's side, we had crates, six crates set up, and that's where the dogs would ride or would sleep at night. Yep. And then I got to sleep on the other side, and then Judy got the big fold-out bed up front. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that's how we traveled, and the dogs loved it. Yeah. You know, they, they would sit there Friday night, you know, getting all antsy. When are we going? When are we going? Mm. Can we get in the car now? You know, and uh, no, we had a lot of fun. <clears throat> there were times when we would go to like Seattle and I would drive up early with the motorhome and then Judy would fly in and then we'd do the weekend and then she'd fly back and then I would take a day and a half and drive back to California. Yeah. Um, so you know, we did weird stuff like that. Um, one time, one summer, we took a month off, and we went to, Judy went to Seattle to show Adam, and then I took the motor home and towed a buddy of mine's race car down to Tucson, and then I drove down to um, Atlanta, Georgia, and Judy flew into Atlanta, and we went some shows in Atlanta. Then we went to the Tar Heel circuit for six days. Then we highballed to Kansas, to Topeka, dropped off the motorhome, flew to Chicago for a show in Chicago. Then we flew back to Kansas, picked up the motorhome, and then went to dog shows in New Mexico. We were gone for a month. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just all dog shows. Was that yeah. when you were campaigning at him, or? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that... That's exhausting. No, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Some deep dish pizza in Chicago, or, uh, some barbecue in Kansas City, you know. Yeah. just sounds <laughs> we, know, uh, amazing. <laughs> we, um, we, we, we would travel everywhere, and we had a great time. Um, I just had a thought, and it went zoom right past me. Um but, you know, it was just a great time in our life. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fantastic friends. Um, in California on Thanksgiving, there's a turkey circuit, which is four shows. And we would, the, the group of us in our motorhomes would travel to these different shows. So Thanksgiving on the turkey circuit, somebody would bring the turkey, somebody would bring uh, pies and cakes. And, you know, we, we'd yeah. set up a big dinner and they'd just have this great party wow wow tell but, us about when you were campaigning red atom i always remember judy had a badge on saying um you know uh vote for one for for red atom to win best in show yeah annie clark gave us the first best in show was okay. it annie clark wait a minute I, yeah i gotta think i think it yeah. was and it was funny because um, Woody was showing a, a, a wire fox terrier, and it was wiping everybody out. I mean, just every show he was winning. And so we, we go from Phoenix to Tucson, and we're down there at Tucson, and we're showing, we win the class, and I think it was Andy Clark said, gee, I hope I see you in the group later today, you know, or... Something like that. And it kind of, we perked up. You know, wait a minute. You know, all uh, of a sudden we're getting recognized. What, what's going on here? Uh, yeah. And so Woody has, I want to say Snooty, but I don't remember the, the dog's name, but had this, the dog up in front. 
and his mother-in-law was judging. And she walked right past him, walked up to Adam and said, you're number one. Kind of stuffing it to Woody. And um, so that started. And then when we had, went to Best in Show, you know, we didn't think we stood a chance. And all of a sudden, it's Best in Show. And we won. That was his first one, now, wasn't it? The first staffer to ever win yeah. a Best in Show in the USA. Right. And <laughs> we, went, we won 26 group firsts and only two Best in Shows. Oh, wow. Um, because the judges didn't know what it was and they were afraid to, you know, reach out there and put it up. Yeah, yeah. And um, the second Best in Show came... Um, Judy went to Colorado to show him to some breeders and people that we knew there. And uh, Lowell Davis was judging best in show. And Judy calls me that night and says, guess what? We have a new ribbon to put on the wall. And I said, what do you mean? She says, Adam went best in show. And I said, that's fantastic because you have a new wall. And she goes, what do you mean I have a new hall, wall? I said, I bought you a house in Acton today. And she goes, where the F is Acton? <laughs> so, and we ended up moving out to Acton and lived there for 29 years. And, oh, was it uh, that long? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you must well, the have camp- loved it. The campaign was really full on for Red Adam, though, wasn't it? I just remember you guys just pushed and pushed and pushed till you pushed through to get a best in show yeah. for a Stafford more than just Red Adam getting it. It was about the breed. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking at the best in show picture right now. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Uh, Tucson Kennel Club, November 1983. And we figured, gee, that best in show is going to start us rolling next year in 84. We're really going to do it. And, nah. <laughs> it took seven years later, or four or five years later, when uh, we'll put him up. So yeah, it was well done because you know there was a lot yeah. of a lot of um, people, you know, rooting for you. It was so exciting. Yeah. Is um, but, uh, but I want to go back to the start because you mentioned that there were sixty-four Staffords. In America, is that right? Like when you first got into this? Yeah, when we first were able to find pedigrees and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Steve Stone was the big mover behind this. Yeah. And th- there was the Crowthers. Um, there were some other families. I can't quite remember the names. Um, there was like twelve families involved in the very beginning. Yeah. And um, so, in fact, there's a, a picture somewhere in one of the staff books of a, a, a Stafford facing off against a pit bull. Right. And they're both out on their hind legs being held up by their leashes. Yep. And uh, that was Steve Stafford. Uh, he weighed about 38, maybe 40 pounds. And the pit bull weighed about 120 pounds. <laughs> you could really see the difference between these two dogs. Yeah, yeah. And... Steve's Brutus was not going to back down. No. You know, he was going to do what he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and that, that picture's in one of the magazines or in one of the Stafford books somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, um, so does that mean that, that sort of 
because in my the way I interpret this is that so if you kind of have a Stafford now, does that mean that they 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 can be linked back to those sixty four dogs, or does it mean that like you you mentioned before, you had people brought in stock from London and Australia and New right. Zealand. So there is a mixture, or, or is it that if you own a Stafford in America now, your Stafford is kind of, its lineage goes back to that original grouping? We, no, we, we've imported so many dogs over okay. the years. Um, the, originally, they were breeding the, the out of the pool of dogs we had. Yeah. But to expand the pool and not to corrupt the bloodlines, yeah. we imported dogs. Yeah, okay. So... That's where we, we didn't care if it came from South Africa or Finland or where it came from, as long as it was a good sample of a Stafford. Yeah. It would help somebody's breeding program. Um, that's where it did. And then we got, as people matured in the breed, they went out and found their own Staffords wherever. And so that's what, when we got recognition from AKC, we had 153, I think it is, Staffords on the registry, on the wow. foundation registry at AKC. And what happened, Judy went back to AKC and started going through the AKC stud book and looking at this different breed, the different dogs, and saying, this is a Stafford because of its parents, but this one here is not a Stafford. It's a Pitbull yeah. or it's an Amstaff. Yeah. And so she helped weed out a, a lot of dogs that didn't belong in our breed okay. and clarified and cleaned up our breed bloodlines at AKC. I didn't know that. Yeah. And in, in doing so, that it would possibly help those other bloodlines as well. Made it pure. Yeah. Yeah. And put them yes. in the correct bloodlines exactly. too. Mm. Yeah. I'd mentioned, I know, just before you mentioned that when you went to register, that the American Staffordshire Terrier was known as the Staffordshire Terrier. When did they change it to be the American Staffordshire Terrier? Do you know? When it, that was part of the process. When we got recognized as the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, they had to figure out what to do with the Amstaff, so they changed the name. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, Bill. Wow. Yeah. So any anybody that has an American Staffordshire Terrier now, they call mm -hmm. it an American Staffordshire Terrier because of the work that you did. Yeah. Yeah, it's an Amstaff. Wow. That's very cool. <laughs> I love that. And I didn't do it, Judy did it. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the, the, your, the group that you were involved with at the time, the people that were doing this. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, she's a very but, dynamic uh, person, Judy. So she was very influential. Mm. Yeah. yeah. She would, and very intelligent as well. Mm. Wasn't oh, yeah. she, Bill? Apart from a beauty. That was the best sales job I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I overachieved. Yeah. <laughs> We all do, Bill. We all do. <laughs> we we um the 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 phrase we call it here is we're punching above our weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, your prefix Stars End. Where did that come from? Uh huh. Where did where did that come Isaac from? Isaac Asimov. Uh, oh. Isaac Asimov was a science fiction writer. He yep. wrote three books. Yep. And Judy was a science fiction nut. And in one of his books. There's a place called Star's End. Yeah. And the bad people who were trying to get them at the time were looking at the fringe of the galaxy. It was a circular galaxy. And they figured Star's End was out on the perimeter when it was actually in the center of the galaxy. And that's where Judy got the name Star's End. Ah. Hmm. I'm, I'm always interested in these um, 
perfect stories. Where the names come from? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For people in... Um, where, where do dog shows stand in America now? I mean, are they... Pardon? Where do they stand in America? Are they, are they declining in popularity? Are they as popular as they ever were? Are there as many as there used to be? I mean, you said before you did like 103 well, shows in two years. I haven't been to a dog show in probably four or five years. Right. Because when we moved to Belize, it was easier for Judy. She'd go up almost every month to judge somewhere. Yeah. Um, sometimes she'd go up and she'd judge two weekends and then come home. Yeah. Um, but she was judging right up to the end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she was judging maybe 20 times a year, 25 times a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we did is we paid our expense to either Florida or to Texas, and then they picked up the uh, the cost of the travel from there on. Yeah. We didn't feel it was fair to charge them the, the fly up from Belize. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she, um, in fact, when she, the last time she judged, she was in Texas, and she came home and I, I didn't sense it at the time, but there was something wrong when she, excuse me, when she got off the plane and she walked out and she didn't have her bags with her. Oh. And I said, where's your bag? Oh, she said, oh, well, I forgot. And she went back in and, you know, had to go through security, got her bags and came back out. And when she got home, she was just tired. Yeah. And she had caught COVID oh. uh, in Texas somewhere. Yeah. And... Um, Unfortunately, and I didn't realize it until months, months after she passed away, I have a video of her walking in the front door with her cane and uh, Gracie jumping up on her, almost knocking her down. And Judy had to brace herself against the wall. That's when I first realized how fragile Judy was. And I didn't, because I grew up with it every day, mm. I was just used to her, you know, here's mm. your cane, go ahead, you know, and... Um, Fortunately, she went down quickly. She didn't suffer for a long period of time. Okay. And that's what I'm thankful for. Mm. Well, we sure I, miss her. We do yeah. miss her. She's not only does the breed miss her, we yeah. miss her, and obviously you would miss her terribly. Well, she sounds like a remarkable lady. Mm. She was. Amazing. Dynamic. She, mm. she had a BS in math. Um, she went back and got her... She realized when she was working on her master's degree that she was doing it for the wrong reason. She was doing it for her parents who yeah. wanted her to be an astronaut or something. Yeah. And she one day said, screw this. I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. And she quit. And then we were married 15, 16 years, and she decided she wanted to go back and get her master's degree. And so she went to night school and finished her master's and that's when all of a sudden the AKC opportunity came nah. so you know it all just fell in place yeah. mm. but, um, what um, I guess we probably need to wrap up soon but what you've you, both of you Judy and yourself you've done so much in the world in the dog world what's what's Judy's legacy for you what what do you think is the thing that you go, yeah, this is the thing that she needs to be remembered for. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. 
what she needs to be remembered for is her love of dogs. Right. Mm. Yeah, she did love dogs, genuinely. <laughs> and, Particularly Stafford's. Yeah, and, and I, I, mean, think, I think her legacy is also her input to making the Stafford registered in, in, the, in the US, really, to be shown and bred properly. Yeah. And you were all yeah. involved in it, but she was a person that was a spearhead in that. And she was the driving force. Yeah, she was. And I remember the first time I met her, and she was a very good friend to me. Mm-hmm. And so were you, Bill. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that um, the breed misses are because everybody you talk to in the States uh, has a good word to say about her when they were given an award by her or talked to her or discussed the breed with her. So uh-huh. I, think, I think that that's probably her legacy. Would you agree? Yes. Apart from her, she adored dogs. Yeah. Well, we had um, smooth fox terriers and silky terriers just to learn about other breeds, but we didn't stay in those breeds very long. You know, we bred a litter here, bred a litter there, and did stuff, but uh, our prime breed was Stafford's. Mm. I think um, I think you don't do what you and Judy did. You don't think you, you do that without loving those animals, do you? No. You know, yeah. and, and this is, I guess, the thing that we want yeah. people that aren't in the dog world to understand is that there is a perception of who people are and how people are, but at the very core of what they do is that love for that animal mm. and that yeah. real devotion to that animal. Because I think we hear similar stories. You hear people that go, oh, yeah, I've fooled around with other breeds, but I've always come back to the breed that I love, whether that's a Stafford or whatever it is. So I think it's that love of the animal is really important, isn't it? The problem I have here in Belize is they don't have a very good attitude towards dogs. So there's a lot of strays. And Mm. I have a stray that I picked up over a year ago. She was 30 pounds ready to die and now she's 55 pounds and eats me out of house and home (laughs) unfortunately milo wants to kill her so i have to keep her separate in a separate yard but it works out you know that uh yeah dogs are dogs i love them all well it's like you've got your black and tan there who you know who cares what color she is she's a stafford Mm. I wish you could see the two of them. I got a uh, a little bed here in the office, and the two of them are crashed in there side by side. <laughs> well, I think on that cheery note, we might let you go, my friend. Um, thank you so okay. much. Thank you so much for your time. We uh, we very much appreciate sure. it. And if we're ever in Belize, okay. we'll, we'll call in on you. Oh, please do. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs>